You're listening to The Tool Belt, a manufacturing podcast focusing on logistics, safety, operations, and breaking industry news. of the Tool Belt podcast brought to you by Endeavor Business Media's Manufacturing Group. I'm Tom Welk, the Chief Editor of Plant Services, and today is one of our Meet the Editor series. We have Dave Blanchard with us today, who is the Editor-in-Chief for Material Handling and Logistics, or MHNL, as well as EHS Today. Uh, during his career, Dave has led the editorial management of many of Endeavor Business Media's best-known brands, including Industry Week, Logistics Today, Supply Chain Technology News, and Business Finance, in addition to the two titles he currently manages. He also serves as a Senior Content Director of the Annual Safety Leadership Conference and literally wrote the book on supply chain management, which is called Supply Chain Management Best Practices. Uh, He is also a voting member of the Jury of the Logistics Hall of Fame and is a graduate of Northern Illinois University. Dave, it's great to talk with you. Welcome to the podcast today. Thank you, Tom. Uh, I suppose we should have gone over what you were going to introduce me with because you just used up about my first three paragraphs of my background, <laughs> which is just as well because uh, this way I can just kind of focus on what I'm doing now. Um, I'll, I'll give you a, a really quick introduction to my career uh, besides what you just mentioned. Uh, I actually started way, 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 way back in the, as in the previous century, as they say. Uh, I was a uh, I was a high school English teacher, actually, was how my career started. Uh, I, had, I had a background in, um, well, I had taken a lot of journalism classes at, at school as well. But I thought English teacher was what I really wanted to be. And, and I did that for a couple of years. And then I realized I really, I really had a hankering. I really found a passion for writing and, and journalism and you know, writing articles and doing a lot of research and all the things that editors do with their with their careers. So I've been in in uh, media in journalism for quite a while now. Uh, starting my career actually in the 90s, I, I I covered artificial intelligence. This was back in the in the early 1990s. Mm. And ev- even back then, uh, people were saying that artificial intelligence was just going to completely change the world and nothing was going to be the same ever again. <laughs> so I've seen, I've seen the, uh, the hype cycle of AI a couple times already yeah. uh, right now, you know, maybe, maybe the, it'll, it'll pay off with the, the chat GPT and everything else that's going to change the world. We'll see. Uh, but I, I've, I've followed AI for a long time. And then I, I started working for Penton media uh, right in 1999, so right at the, the turn of the millennium. And then Penton became Informa, and Informa was, uh, well, Informa is still with us, but they sold off a lot of their brands to the company I work for now, Endeavor Business Media. So I've, I've kind of had the same business card, it just uh, the, the corporate logo on the business card kind of changes over, over the years. So I've been working on Industry Week and Logistics Today and a lot of other brands, but right now I my main 
two gigs are the editor-in-chief of material handling and logistics, our supply chain brand, and EHS Today, our safety brand. Well, and you're in a special position given all the pressures in the past couple of years on supply chain especially. Um, that's all that plant services readers let us know as their top priority right now as things are evening out. And that was really my first question for you was given all the stress tests that we've had on the global supply chain, what's your sense on how it's doing this year? Are, are things going to get back to normal or at least back to a new normal? Yeah, that that's another one of those questions that um, I, I don't want to sound like I'm the old man on the mountain, but I have gone through a couple different supply chain disruption cycles over just since you know the year 2000. So not Maybe to some people that sounds like a long time ago. To me, it doesn't really sound like that long ago. Uh, you know, in uh, 2001, we had 9-11, which was going to just change the supply chain as we knew it forever. I mean, just mm -hmm. the whole idea of of traveling and supply chain, global supply chains were just not ever going to be the same because, you know, you, you had to have security measures in place that were really just going to slow down the supply chain to a crawl, uh, you know, getting every everything x-rayed and before you could put it on a plane or a truck or uh, you know a train or any other kind of a transportation vehicle that was just right. going to slow down the supply chain forever uh that you know we figured out ways to, to get past that really quickly and then from an economic point of view although i guess a little bit of a pandemic point of view too just uh i guess 10 well 15 years ago we had the big recession from the banking crisis, the housing crisis, and then we had the, the SARS virus that mm. and the avian flu and all these different situations that people thought, eh, you know, supply chains just aren't going to be able to recover from this because people are just not going to be able to trust, uh, you know, the, the situation that, that that's coming up. And I guess with the pandemic that we're hopefully in, in the rearview mirror now, uh, it, it, it did a number on the supply chain, probably bigger than those other events did, just in terms of the supply chain itself kind of took a hit, and at mm. least in terms of perception. You know, people at the early days of the pandemic, I, you know, there were a lot of articles because I, I wrote some of them, but <laughs> it was, you know, it was all about how hard it, how hard it's going to be to get toilet paper and, you know, buying a new car, you know, the, the, the wait time for a car or, you know, a couch or a refrigerator or, or all mm -hmm. sorts of uh, consumer goods. Uh, it's just going to be months and months and months and people just got really impatient and you know companies were yeah. were quick to say hey you know this is this is a supply chain problem it has nothing to do with us uh, mm. you know and in some cases sure it was a it was a legit supply chain problem but it was a supply chain problem because the whole the whole experience of of buying products itself kind of was was turned on its head mm. and you know if you were typically going into an office you weren't thinking about how you're going to stock your house mm -hmm. for, uh, you know, 24 hours a day. You were thinking, well, I'm, I'm away at, at work and I'll eat lunch downtown and I'll, I'll use the, the computers at work and I'll use the copy machine at work and, you know, everything that you just kind of took for granted. Now yeah. you're doing that, not just you, but the whole country was doing that out of their homes for months. So, you know, 
office products became very hard to come by and other other uh, consumer products became very hard to come by for a while because the whole workplace changed. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny, Dave, the only consumer product that we really have trouble finding to this day is a certain brand of three ounce disposable bathroom cups. And as far as I can tell, that's not really even a supply chain issue. That's more of a plant consolidation and uh, employment issue where they're still trying to find people to, to staff that plant and get it up and running. And it simply may not be a, prior, a financial priority either. Um, so from a consumer level, it's tough to point to anything in particular right now where supply chain's holding it up. I, I hear more often that, um, you know, the, the, you hear about the parts holdups for, say, Boeing uh, jets being built. And there was a, there was a, a supply chain challenges with microchips there for a while. But even this seems to be sort of straightening itself out, finally. Yeah, Boeing has had supply chain issues for 20 years. So <laughs> this is this is See? nothing. It's nothing new for Boeing. A version <laughs> and, of the new normal. Yeah. 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 And, and it, it's it's the same case for for any sorts of products. Uh, I mean, if 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 something needs to be made and delivered, it will get done. It, it, it's a, you use that that keyword priority. Uh, it, it becomes a priority for companies. So some some things. You know, if, if the certain type of cups that you were talking about, if they're not a priority, then the, the supply chain's not going to react to their being, uh, you know, short stocked. Right. Well, let me shift over to EHNS today, if I could, because that's also uh, a topic that's taking center stage in a different way. Um, in my experience with my readers, everyone's focused on the E right now. They're always focused on the S, safety, safety first, which is good. But the E is getting extra attention these days. As, as regulations either are coming down the pipeline or are already with us, asking for reporting and great awareness of how the carbon footprint of plants might change. So I'm curious to know, again, as the editor of EHS today, what are some trends that you're seeing in this area, some, some of the key themes that are happening in 2023? Well, regulatory compliance for safety people is nothing new. Uh, mm -hmm. what, what is becoming new is how many more regulatory issues are being put on the, the safety leader's shoulders. Uh, the EHS, E is environment, H is health, and S is safety. L like you were saying, the E part is is relatively, I wouldn't say it's new, but the emphasis of it on the safety profession is it's just like, you know, one more hat that these safety people have to wear because yeah. Yeah. A lot, of, a lot of times, it's it's the safety person that the, the you know the the CEO is coming to and saying, we need you to help us figure out how we're going to comply with these regula regulations from the EPA and and everywhere else that um, you know not not necessarily you would think would be a typical safety problem. I mean, safety people are. The, the the old uh, stereotype was there the safety cops they're the ones that make sure you you're wearing your hard hat and you're wearing your gloves and you're wearing your 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 boots and you're not running around when you're in a warehouse you're keeping your eye out mm -hmm. for things and now the safety profession oh gosh the the number of things they're being asked to to, to do besides the ESG regulations they're asked to you know the diversity equity and inclusion is mm -hmm. a big thing now uh, with, with in terms of psychological safety in, in addition to physical safety. And right. you're talking about environmental safety, um, you know, uh, drug abuse and 
wellness programs and mental health awareness. These are all things that people didn't, you know, historically think of as as a safety person or a safety leader's job. But these days, it, it really is becoming part of what they're they're being asked to look at. That's a fascinating take on it. I, I, uh, I guess I hadn't put together exactly how expansive the role is becoming, but as you say, it's added up and it's added up pretty quickly. Yeah. And sustainability has been, you know, that's a, that's a whole, uh, it's a whole profession in and of itself, but the, the inclusion of the, uh, the EHS role within a company's ESG, um, initiatives it is mm-hmm. becoming a bigger and bigger issue and we're 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 doing more webinars at ehs today on this topic and more articles and we're getting a lot of uh i wouldn't say confusion but more in terms of how do we manage a whole nother set of regulatory issues that right. aren't necessarily under the province of osha which is the typically what what the the safety leader would be concentrating on, but mm-hmm. now the the role of a company in managing its you know the carbon footprint and and keeping that in a measurable way, how does the safety person take on that role as well? And and in, in, in many cases, it's not just the safety person. I think that would be um, that would be speaking a little bit too broadly, but they certainly are involved. They're being asked to come to the meetings and, and uh, part of the, the solution. In the plant services neck of the woods, we've seen a lot of reliability engineers oh, yeah. embrace safety initiatives. Uh, the old truism that a reliable plant's a safe plant because the more the machines do what you expect them to do, the less surprises there will be on a safety level especially. But we're also seeing these people sometimes reach out to the finance teams because the finance officers are in charge of the risk management portfolio. And so you look at these issues, uh, diversity diversity and inclusion, safety, reliable machinery. The more you can reduce the risk across the plant, the better that portfolio is gonna look. So I'm, I'm, I'm always interested when I hear stories about different teams working together unexpectedly positive ways, you know? Yeah, yeah, that, that's, that really is the key, I think, is you have to have a team that works together. And that goes back to the supply chain story we were talking about earlier is if, if you're, if you don't have everybody at your, at your leadership level of your company, at least knowing what the other teams are doing, then you got problems because they all are inner interweaving with each other and overlapping in many cases. Well, let's move our focus uh, over to the safety and leadership conference. That's, that's uh, sponsored by EHS today. And it's the kind of place where people from all kinds of walks of plant life can come together, as you're talking about, and collaborate and communicate. Um, tell us about the conference for 2023. Where is it being held? Um, what can attendees look forward to? Oh, this is such a great question, Tom. I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> uh, so this is the 12th annual Safety Leadership Conference that we're holding this year. It will be in Orlando, Florida, September 18th through 20th. So like the name says, the conference explores best practices, processes, and strategies that safety professionals have adopted and are adopting to develop and sustain a culture of safety in their workplaces. Mm. So what does the conference look like? So we have a full program this year, five different tracks uh, on risk management, safety technology, regulatory compliance, training and engagement, 
and a new track this year is called the ROI of safety. So learning how safety people, like you were talking earlier, how safety people can learn to talk the language of risk management, talk the language of finance, and talk the language of the the C-suite so that they can, uh, you know, really learn to kind of advocate in, in their best in the best interests of their workplace to make sure that safety is uh, front and center. We also have a couple of keynote sessions. Our keynotes historically, and this year's no exception, they, they feature senior level safety professionals at major corporations who offer their insights into what safety looks like at their companies and what they're seeing in terms of uh, latest trends in safety management. Also, it being a conference, we've got things like tabletop exhibits and workshops that feature best practices and solutions from some of the leading companies that cater to the safety professionals. We'll have safety tours that offer behind the scenes look at uh, world-class safety in action at some companies and organizations and venues throughout the Orlando area. And then I guess that for me, the highlight of any safety leadership conference we have a night out celebration where we honor the 2023 class of America's safest companies. That's a, a competition that EHS today has managed for more than 20 years. Uh, what where we do is we 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 focus on companies that have demonstrated through a, a competition, kind of a benchmarking competition, uh, what they've done over the past several years to really become uh, one of the safest companies in the United States. So anybody interested in the conference or interested in the America's Safest Companies competition can learn all they want at our website of safetyleadershipconference.com. Awesome. And that's coming up later in Q3 uh, in September, correct? That's correct. September 18th through 20th. Okay, so for those listening who are interested in the conference, you've got plenty of time for planning. And uh, and yeah, Dave, I think that wraps up today's podcast. Um, for those listening to the Tool Belt, you're going to hear Dave uh, more frequently as he does his own episodes of the Tool Belt for MHNL and DHS Today. And on behalf of the Tool Belt in general and our listeners, Dave, uh, great talking with you today. Thank you. Absolute pleasure, Tom, especially since I didn't have to be the one asking the questions this time. <laughs> so, so it was a nice change of pace. And uh, thanks a lot, Tom, for, for all you're doing with, with your brands and with uh, the tool belt. Uh, well, right back at you. It's, and uh, hopefully I'll see you at the conference. Absolutely. Thanks, Tom. Thanks.